Yesterday afternoon, I had the chance to go to the Virginia Tech football game. And although it wasn't much of a game at all, I did get to do a little bit of homily preparation there. Uh, because while at lunch at the sports bar, some guys sitting next to us struck up a conversation with me. And pretty soon, it became impossible not to share with them that I am a Catholic priest. And when they found that out, one of the guys asked me very, very seriously, so what is your long-term goal? <laughs> I looked at him and I asked, goal? What do you mean goal? What do you mean by that? And he replied, well, you know, like, don't you want to get ahead? Don't you want to move up in the ranks of the church? And at that point, today's gospel passage came to mind. The gospel passage for which I had not yet written a homily. And so I decided right there on that bar stool to share with him the gospel that we would all hear this Sunday. You know that those who are recognized as rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones make their authority over them felt. But it shall not be so among you. Rather, whoever wishes to be great among you will be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you will be the slave of all. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And at that, the guys sitting next to me at the bar looked at me like I was kind of crazy, but you could see a little flicker of recognition, something in their eyes that said that they knew how beautiful and how true those words are. But let's be brutally honest. That kind of logic flies in the face of our natural, worldly, everyday inclinations. We tend to think in terms of political gain, and just about only political gain. We assume that in order to make a real difference in our world or in our culture, that, that we need to compete, and that we need to compete very well. We need to win. We need to climb the ladder, snatch up as much power and influence as we can, get those Supreme Court seats, elect the right officials, have the right bishops in the right positions within the curia. Assert yourself over and against the other guys. Overrule and drown out all your opponents. Get to the top and stay there as long as you can. This is what we see in the news and on social media every single day. People scrambling and vying with one another, violently often so, in order to gain domination and control. But in our gospel this weekend, Jesus makes it very clear. It shall not be so among you. It shall not be so among the people who call themselves Christians, who follow Jesus, or at least try to, and walk together with him in the Holy Spirit. 
The church, Jesus seems to think anyways, needs to be different. He shows us how to be different. Jesus shocked and surprised everyone by taking the lowest place that he could. He offended people by eating with sinners and tax collectors, becoming very good friends with them. He touched and healed lepers rather than avoiding them like everybody else did. Jesus emptied himself, humbled himself, took the form of a lowly, pitiful slave. He willingly died a shameful death at the hands of foreign occupation. There is no worldly strategy in that plan. Becoming weak and submitting to public humiliation and death, that doesn't sound like one of the seven habits of highly effective people. And yet, in the way that he acts and in the way that he speaks, Jesus shows us what true leadership really actually looks like. It looks like the cross. True leadership looks like the willingness to, quote, give his life as an offering for sin, as our first reading from Isaiah put it. It means to become small and weak. What is the point of working so hard for seats of glory and honor, one on the right and one on the left, if the very king himself does not seem to go in for that sort of thing? When the Lord of the universe is willing to become so weak. Our second reading from the letter to the Hebrews put it quite beautifully. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has similarly been tested in every way, yet without sin. Jesus doesn't lord it over his subjects. He can sympathize with us. He came to serve, not to be served. He came to walk with us, invite us into communion with him and with our neighbor. He came to encourage us to participate in his life of holiness. He came to give us a mission, to send us out on that mission, to then share that life with everybody. And that approach that Jesus took with his disciples actually forms the backbone of Pope Francis's vision of how the church must now move forward in its mission today. A mission that the church is about to reflect on together in what we are calling the Synod on Synodality. In fact, Bishop Nestout has asked that parishes all across the Diocese of Richmond celebrate the official local opening of this Synod on Synodality this weekend. Now maybe you've heard about the Synod on Synodality. And maybe you are a little bit confused. What on earth is this? If that's you, then you're not alone. Okay? Uh, a synod on synodality, it sounds like a meeting on meanings. Or as one priest I know said, a gathering on gathering this. But the long and short of this synod on synodality seems to boil down to this. The church, at every level, is called to walk together 
toward the truth, which is to say, toward Jesus. We're not just walking together for the sake of walking together. We have a destination, and that destination is the Lord. And along the way, we are called to listen patiently to one another, bear with one another, and discern the will of the Holy Spirit together, according to our proper roles within the body of Christ. As our gospel makes so clear, this is not about lording it over people. The church, contrary to popular belief, is not a bureaucracy centrally located in Rome that periodically issues to its subjects documents and rules that we must all now abide by. Rather, the church is a living, breathing organism. It is the family of God. It is the body of Christ. And it's filled with the Holy Spirit. We don't impose anything on anybody. As Pope St. John Paul II once said, we can only propose the gospel. We can only propose life and beauty. We can only propose an everlasting relationship with the living God. Nobody, nobody can be shamed or dominated or lorded over into orthodoxy. And we see so many people trying to do that today, forcing people to believe a particular way. That's not Jesus' way. But we can lower ourselves and serve as Jesus serves. We can humbly accompany our own family members, our neighbors, our friends, our co-workers to come to know the fullness of the objective truth about God and about the meaning of our lives and how we must live. That is different. That is unique. And it's what the church is actually called to be doing. And I think that that is the true spirit behind this synod on synodality. But of course, the fear machines out there will want us to get confused and very angry and resistant to the synod on synodality. As this whole thing unfolds in the months ahead and the years ahead, we will be tempted to fall back into the worldly idea that grabbing at power and snatching up influence is the key to success. Oh, those cardinals over there, well, they have this or that agenda. That bishop over there, well, he's too conservative and he wants to take the church backward. Oh, those liberal bishops over there, oh, they're getting all of the important positions. So the church is in trouble. Actually, it's not. It's not in trouble. Jesus is in control. That sort of thinking is not Christian. And the fact of the matter is this. Satan will seek to use all of that bad thinking to divide Jesus' flock, kill us, and devour us, as he always has. So, we need to resist those lies. Jesus is gathering us together and telling his disciples once more, it shall not be so among you. 
The main thing to hold on to as we enter into this process of listening to the Spirit and journeying together as a universal church will be these things. Truth is not a democracy. That's what the document for the Synod makes very clear. Truth is not a democracy. Majority does not rule. Jesus is absolutely and beautifully in control. The gates of hell will not prevail. The Pope is the true successor to Peter the Apostle, and he was put on that chair he sits on by Christ himself. His authority is given to him by Jesus. Nobody, no group of bishops, no priests or cardinals or theologians, however powerful and influential they think they are, can ever force the church to believe error. The church and is is and always will be the bride of Christ. I think if we remember all of these things and hold fast to that confession, then I firmly believe that this synod on synodality can be a beautiful opportunity for the entire church to heal from all of the real divisions and bitterness that so often distracts us from our actual goal. That guy at the sports bar asked me, what is your goal in life, your long-term goal? Well, the goal is simple, and it's the goal of every baptized Catholic, to walk humbly with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to drink from the chalice of Jesus, to live out our baptismal promises, to choose good and reject evil, to fearlessly and charitably defend truth and goodness, no matter what it costs us. To love God with our whole heart, soul, and mind. So, let us confidently approach the throne of grace, as the letter to the Hebrews said this morning, to receive mercy and to find the grace for timely help. <laughs>